just want to share with you a new series we're starting today about Never Alone. I want to I speak about connection this morning. Uh, over this series, I want to look at different aspects of connection, like uh, with your spouse, friends, also maybe like with a mentoring relationships. But this morning, I want to focus on that God connection that, you know, so many people even are Christian in name, but they feel disconnected from God. So I want to share a little bit about that. When we were at the men's camp at the, the last morning, I felt this word in my heart. I felt the Holy Spirit say to us, guys, never alone. Never alone. Don't do it alone. Don't live alone. And also, you're not alone. God is with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. And so, so I want to I I speak into this, but I, I want this morning, I want to focus specifically on a, on, a, on a story that Jesus shared about a broken family, a father and two sons, but it was a broken family. Do you know which story that is? Story of the prodigal son. Two sons, one dad, both sons were disconnected from the father. It was a broken family, and that is a picture of our relationship with God the Father. You have two types of sons. Those who have disconnected because of their sinful lifestyle, and then those who have disconnected because of their misperception and misunderstanding of who God is. So I want to look at those two areas. So when I was in high school, there was a season that I, I, I went real, real, a big dip. And I feel really sorry for myself. Who's felt sorry for himself? Ever? Who's felt sorry for yourself? Okay, come on. If you're human, you have. So I felt sorry for myself. I think I was in grade 9 or 10. And uh, I, I decided every break, I'm going to sit under the tree. I'm not going to speak to anybody. I'm going to feel sorry for myself until someone notices and reaches out to me. Do you know what happened? No one noticed. Because we are inherently self-focused. And who the heck in any case wants to spend time with a sit in the corner, miserable face, feel sorry for himself type of person. No one wants to be a friend of that person. So I had to get up and get off my pity party and reach out to others. And uh, yeah, sometimes you need to get over yourself. I've been saying this over the last few weeks. I still feel it's a word for some of us. You still haven't listened. Get over yourself. Get up and live life. Amen. Let's say it. It's a word for me. Indeed. Indeed. It is. It's a word. So I've been reading a little bit about loneliness, and they say it's basically an epidemic in society. Epidemic proportions. And there's a few myths around loneliness as well. They, they say you're not lonely because you are alone. You see, it's not the, the number of connections that you have. It's about the quality of connection. You can have many, many friends, but that doesn't mean you're not feeling alone. It's about the quality. It's not about the quantity. It's the quality, you know. So we live in the Facebook era. You know, I've got friends. I've got a thousand plus friends. But Facebook is actually fake book. Yeah? And this next picture of the cat shows it so beautifully. The top is the profile pic, and then you have the tagged one. 
reality. <laughs> so we all want to look good up there, yeah? Profile pic and then the tag photo is like, <sighs> can't believe they tagged me. Not with that photo. <laughs> so I have special settings on my Facebook profile. You can't tag me without me authorizing it, just that you know. But loneliness, loneliness is not about being alone necessarily. You can have a lot of connections, but it's about the quality of connection. They say 60% plus of spouses feel lonely because of the lack of connection, the lack of a, of a real connection of intimacy with their partner. So that's what we're going to look at in this series. And I'm thinking of, they also say that loneliness they found this like a physical pain. The same area of your brain that feels physical pain is the same area that feels loneliness. So they say that that social pain feels like a physical pain. When you are disconnected, it, it really hurts. It really, really hurts. And you see, God has designed you and me for connections with people. The Lord said in Genesis chapter 2, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be disconnected to other people. God wants you to be connected because then you feel you come alive. And you know? so when in the movie Shrek, when Shrek told Donkey off again, Donkey was speaking the truth when he said, you cut me deep, Shrek. You cut me deep. It's painful. You feel it. He was cut deep. Those, you know, rejection and, 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 and the words we people speak, it can truly hurt us. But the truth is we will always be lonely, even with a lot of friendship connections, until we have an intimate God connection. That is the source. That is the starting point. Everything flows from that point. This lady's testimony is so, so true. She was, she was looking. She was seeking. She was trying to find something that she didn't know how to actually, she didn't know what she was looking for until she found it. And when she found the love of the Father and she realized, I found love. There are many Christians that don't know that connection. There are many Christians that are missing out on that God connection. So I want to touch on that this morning as well. So I want to take us to, uh, to this story. But before I take us to uh, Luke chapter 15, I want to speak about the Father. Who is this Father? Who is God the Father? Because there are a lot of wrong perceptions about who God the Father is. So let's look at this. Psalm 68 verse 5. So who, who wants to have... An intimate God connection. Anybody? I'm sure we want it, huh? We want it. We want it. But there are some keys that we need. We need to, our perception of who God is. We need to realize who our God is. See, Father God is in Psalm 68 verse 5. He is father to the fatherless. Isn't that amazing? Defender of widows. I mean, a widow is, a widow is someone that, couldn't fend for themselves. This is God whose dwelling is holy. It's like God is looking for the lonely. He's looking for the isolated. He's looking for the fatherless. And he's saying, well, I'm going to be your dad. 
I'm, I'm there to everybody, but especially to those ones. I'm going to be there. I'm the father to the fatherless. Isaiah 49 verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? You would think, no way. How is that possible? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. And then the Lord says, surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. He will not forget you. I've just seen this over and over again. Our God is a loving God who seeks us out. He pursues us. He continually, continually pursues us. And he says, I will not forget you. Even if your own parents, even if your own mom rejects you, I will not. I will not. I will not forget you. That's beautiful. And in Hebrews 13, 5 to 6, it says there, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So he's saying, guys, don't put your faith in wealth, in riches, in possessions, in your car, in your job. Those things, the robber can come in and he can take your car. He can take your nice flat screen TV. He can take your stuff. The uh, stock market can crash. Don't put your faith in your, in your shares, in your pension. Don't put your faith in these things. They will leave you. They will forsake you, at least when you die. It's, uh, it's a goodbye. Can't take it with you. But he's saying, I will never fail you. This is who God the Father is. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. Say no fear. See, when you know who he is and how he feels about you and how committed he is and how faithful he is and how trustworthy he is, you will have no fear. You will have no fear when you experience his love. I mean, I'm sure all of us have experienced this when we were small, unless you really had major family problems. But, you know, when you were small, three years old, four year old, you know, you're not worrying about where's the rent going to come from and how's the food going to get onto the table. And you're not worried about these things. You've got a dad. Dad's got it sorted. I want to say to you this morning your dad in heaven's got it sorted. He has. The enemy wants to torment you with anxiety and tell you, no, you can't trust and uh, don't believe in this hoo-ha and uh, this uh, fairy tale nonsense. It's not a fairy tale. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He made you beautiful. He loves you. He's faithful. He wants to provide for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. It's amazing that word helper is a word baethos. It's the one who comes running when we cry for help. He's my helper. He's the one that comes running when I cry for help. Just cry for help. Say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your help. I need you to remove this fear from my heart, from my life. I am tired of living in torment. I don't know about you, but I hate the torment of anxiety. It's terrible, eh? Life doesn't happen there. Life happens in the presence of our Father who sets us free from anxiety and fear and He fills us with joy and peace. Then you can live life. That's what God wants for us. 
He comes running. He comes running when we would cry out to him and say, God, help me. Help me. He does. Okay, so that's the Father, the one who comes running when we cry out for help. Now let's look at the two sons. In the story, in the, in the parable in Luke chapter 15, the first one is the prodigal son. You know the story. The son comes to dad and says, Dad, give me my inheritance now. I don't want to wait until you die. I want it now. And so the father says, fine. And he gave him his inheritance, and the son left for another nation, and then he spent it with wild living, prostitutes, crazy stuff. He, was a, he went for it, full on. How low can I go? He went for it. He was a full on sinner. Not, he held nothing back. And so before Jesus shares that story in Luke 15, verse 1 to 2, it speaks, he was trying to, to reveal something about the religious mindset and when it comes to sinners. So look at this. Tax collectors, Luke 15, 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, notorious sinners, they were well known. Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy's a sinner often came to listen to Jesus teach. Isn't that amazing? They often came to listen to Jesus, God the Son. Somehow they were drawn, despite all of their bad stuff, they came and listened to Jesus. And then it says there, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Ay, ay, ay. Can you imagine it? Because if you eat with them, you are associating with them. Jesus, you are, you are like them now. So the religious mindset was, if you are a sinner, and the truth is this is true, sin disconnects us from God. It does. But their mindset was, it doesn't only disconnect you. It's God rejecting you. In other words, because of your sin, God has turned his back on you guys, and so will we. We're not even going to try and speak to you. We're not going to try and tell you about the goodness of God. We also reject you, you sinners, you. That was the mindset. You see, the, the, the tax collectors and these notorious sinners, they were outcasts in society, in the Jewish society, and they were outcasts especially from the religious folk. And I think there's sometimes where we get it wrong. We say sin disconnects, but then we also reject. And we think God rejects us if we find ourselves in that space, in that place. The word sin, the word means it's like an arrow being shot to a target and it's missing the mark. It's like, that's the bullseye, missing the mark. Sin is just not God's best plan. It's like missing the mark. But there's another beautiful picture around the word sin. It speaks about a traveler that, that, that leaves the faithful road into byways and crooked ways. And, and, the, and they go down these roads until they find themselves in a place where they, uh, they lost. They're like, hey, you know, on the good road, the good faithful road, and temptation comes, and uh, okay, let's just look around, and I go down this road, and now you're walking around, and at some point you realize, oh, heck, I don't know how to get back again. And that's what happens to some people. 
They were on the good road. They, they did follow Jesus and at some point lose their way. And they're just going, all that. and then at some point, you, you actually don't know how to get back. You don't know how to get back. Lost your way. That's the effect of those highways, those byways, those going to the off track. And so in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it speaks so beautifully. Now let me give you some background. So the prodigal son, he goes down, he goes out, he goes to, uh, uh, he goes and he spends all his money. He loses everything. He, uh, all his friends go with the money as well, leaves with the money. So a famine hits, the young man doesn't know what to do. In the end, he's actually working amongst the pig. You know the pigs, you know the story. He wasn't even allowed to eat the food of the pigs, but he's there with the pigs. And so sometimes we find ourselves down there with the pigs. A mess. And we don't know how to come out. And then look at this. So beautiful. Now he's, he's, he's hit rock bottom. And then it says, when he finally came to his senses, let's say it came to his senses. He said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. So he comes to his senses. It's like, why am I living with the pigs? Why am I living this type of life? Why am I dying? He says a dying of hunger, but I believe when you're disconnected from Father God, you die. You die. You slowly but surely, you die. It's not life there. When you're connected, you have life. And, and then he said that I will go home to my father. You see, every one of us has a home with Father God. Now you need to get this. Every one of us has a home with Father God. The Father's waiting for us. You see, but what happens is I've often spoken to people and I talk to them about Jesus and, you know, how about it? Commit your life to, to, to the Lord. And then they say to, uh, no man, um, I first need to sort out my life. And, 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 and then I'll do this Jesus thing. And that's like saying, well, I'm going to go to the hospital the moment I am healthy. Then I'll go. The moment I'm healthy, the moment there are no more symptoms, no more issues, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the hospital. Our hospitals would be empty. You see, the church is a hospital for broken people, sick people. We are all a little bit sick on one level or another, aren't we? <laughs> So you know, do like the cool thing. We're sick, man. You're sick. Cool. <laughs> you can make it work for you. <laughs> but there's this, this, this thought pattern, especially with those who find themselves leaving the way, losing their way, finding themselves with the pigs. It's like almost like insanity. No, I can't go to the hospital. I, I must first sort out my life. I said to get healed, yeah? Then I'm going to go. No, but this young man came to his senses. He woke up and realized, I've got a dad at home. And I could be having a wonderful life. I could have more than enough. And uh, yeah, I've really messed up. So he's not going to accept me as his son again. So I'm just going to, dad, I'll just be your servant. I'll, it's okay. I'll, you know, whatever you want. Um, but I, I, I can't go on like this, you know? Sin is fun until you hit the wall and you hit rock bottom and everything falls apart. Then you're like, uh, this isn't fun anymore. 
Who's experienced that? Hit a rock. Man, I have. When I was 18, 19 years old, this isn't fun anymore. But he was dying because he was disconnected from his father. You see, every one of us were made, designed for an intimate God connection. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about rules and regulations. I'm talking about an intimate God connection. We were designed for it. You see, you have a a hole in your soul that only God can fill. Only God can fill. You will always be lonely. You will always feel something's missing. You will always feel, hey, there must be more than this, man. You know, I love my wife. I love my child. I mean, I love them more than anybody, anything else in this world. But Jesus is my everything. I love him so much more. So much more. There's a place in Christ that no human being can fulfill. God alone is not enough. We need the other connections, intimate, meaningful connections with other people. But it truly begins in that place where you connect with him. When you that, you know, eating amongst the pigs... You're in a mess. You're rock bottom. Do you know that relationships don't work there? Because you are a mess. 80% of marital problems are personal problems, not marital problems. This is true. This is true. So often we blame our partner, but often it's me. I need to change some stuff. I need to get some peace. I need to get some joy. I need to forgive. I need to be kind. I need to be gentle. But because I, I'm not in a good space, I'm not connected, I'm not in the vine, my partner does something, I explode. I act in an ungodly way. I'm acting like a pig. Now, women, I'm sure you haven't experienced this at all. <laughs> but I sometimes tell Sonic when I go to, I've messed up, I'll go to him. After a while. Oh, try to read my Bible, <laughs> try to <laughs> sort things out. Like, I'm going to be spiritual now. And all I'm hearing in the heavens are saying, go to your wife. Oh. Now I go to my wife. And then at some point I say, I'm really sorry. And then I'll say, I, 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 was not <laughs> I acted like a pig now. I'm really sorry. Like, would you forgive me? I did like a pig. <laughs> we all act like a pig sometime when we're not connected to God the Father and to the nature of Christ, and we act in our human capacity, and then we respond instead of loving. Okay, so husbands, this week is your test opportunity. You can go tell your wife, sorry, 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 I act, acted like a pig. Okay, if you want to, if you want to. But this, this prodigal son, he came to his senses and he went home because he realized, I can have something so beautiful again. And so it says in verse 20, let, before I read this, now, I mean, this, the son comes back. Now, now imagine this, this, this that I'm going to read in a moment, it speaks of Father God. It speaks of King of the universe. King of the universe. Creator of heaven and earth. There is none like him, glorious, regal, powerful. So I would imagine if I was the king of the universe, thank, thank God I'm not, eh? you'd be in trouble. But if I was, I would probably be full of myself. I have made everything. So I would be sitting on my throne and I would see my son 
this boy come back, I would be like, this miserable little boy. So you want to come in here after you wasted all my money, boy. Yeah, yeah, grovel a bit. Lower. You caused the name of our family to be messed up. I mean, it's just, you muddied the name of the family, this family. Do you know who I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better feel bad, boy. I am so upset with you. Are you sorry? Yes, Dad, I'm, 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 I'll just be your servant. I'll, I will, I will. I'm so sorry. I'll, I'm not worthy to be your son again. I will, I will, I will just work for you for, for the rest of my life. You better believe that, boy. You better believe it. This is like, you already have your inheritance. It's over. You have to grovel for a few years until I'm going to forgive you. You have to work for this. You owe me so much. I've got this little back room for you. Maybe, maybe. Little back room with a long drop, about a kilometer out, behind the palace. And I'm watching you, boy. If you just mess up, you're out. You hear me? Yes, Dad. Sorry, Dad. But I would think, I mean, the king of the universe, I mean, come on. You don't mess with a king. But now look at this. This blows my mind. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He's been waiting for him. When's my son coming? When's my girl coming back? He's waiting. He's waiting, sitting on the porch, waiting, waiting, praying. And he says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. Yeah, that's crazy. The king of the universe. You know how undignified it is to run like that for an old man? What about the king? But he was moved with love and compassion. And so he he was like, who the heck cares about dignity? Love transcends dignity. Love makes a way. Love runs. He is your helper. He runs when you call. I can't get over this. I mean, God. You're God. We are Sometimes miserable, sinful, selfish people. And yet you would run to someone who lived a notorious sinful life. That's amazing. You need to get this. You need to let it sink into your heart. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. 
And He runs to us. If we would just call to Him. He kissed Him. He embraced Him. And then the son went through his, his prepared statement. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. God, Father, I'll take that little room at the back with a long drop. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'll just serve you. But his father said to the servants, it's like the father didn't even hear. He went through his process of groveling, and, but the father doesn't even hear. He says, he says, quick, verse 22, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead. He has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. That's crazy. That is contrary to all of our religious mindsets. Now I'm going to have to read my Bible for five years now. I'm going to have to be that usher in the church now for how many years before I'm allowed into the sanctuary? No, he loves us so much. And he's like, he didn't even hear. He like, like, guys, come on, let's have a party. You know, I've, over the last three, four, five months, there's been people in this church that's been battling, that have committed things. Not just one or two, a whole bunch of people made Big mistakes, sinned badly, and would come and confess to me, and their lives would be like falling apart. And all I knew is, all I knew is, all I knew is, God loves them. And I'm going to love you. Because He loves you. Oh, if you can just get this into your heart and mind, it doesn't matter how far you fall off track. It doesn't matter how bad you mess up. It doesn't matter. The father looks past the sin because Jesus died on the cross and he says, come home, my boy. Come home. That is his heart. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead and he has returned to life. You see, the, 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 the disconnect with God is death. The connect with God is life. And now we see the second son. He was disconnected because of a wrong perception of the father. I just want to end off with this. I want to read this in verse 25. This is the older son. The son that didn't go way off track. The one that didn't do all the big bad sins. The one that's not the notorious sinner. The one that's been coming faithfully to church. Reading the Bible. But it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. He was out there working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your, your brother is back, he was told. Your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Angry. Wouldn't go in. Again, his father came out and begged him. Isn't that amazing? The humility. Come and begged him. But he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you. Man, I've been, I've been doing good things for you, God. Heck, I even tithe. And what are you giving me back? What are you doing for me? But the older brother, it says that all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. I do. When I feel you telling me to do something, I do it. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. 
Yet when the son of yours come back, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. You offend me. How can you treat this miserable sinner with mercy and kindness and bless him and restore him? Everything, you're restoring everything back to him. It's wrong. It's wrong. And here I am slaving for you. And here I am doing all the things that you've told me to do. And I, I feel burdened. I don't have joy. I'm out there slaving for you, but I, I'm not enjoying this. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. That type of burdened relationship with God. Out there. You see, but the, the, the older son wasn't, he wasn't in the house and he wasn't, you see, God the Father isn't looking for slaves and servants. He's looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for a family. He's looking for people that whom he can do things together. Are you seeing that? Let me read the last bit there. His father said to him, look, dear son. Verse 31, you've always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. You see, but the older brother, he had a wrong perspective of God. He didn't realize that he is, you know, often say, I'm God's favorite son. What about you? You can be too. You must just believe it. God's favorite son. He loves you so much. And he says, everything is yours. All I have is yours. But this is where the enemy tricks us. We begin to work for God instead of having this intimate connection with him. Where we realize we are so loved. We can have a party every day. A party every day. We can, we should have joy and peace and a whole bunch of fun as we connect with our heavenly father and say, Dad, hey, let's go out together into the fields. And yes, my boy, let's go. Let's do this together. And you just still wanted to take that plow. Dad says, no, let the angels do it. Let's just watch. Let's have some fun. And then, whole field plowed like, yes, working with Dad. Awesome. That's what God wants us. He wants us to not to work and labor out of our own strength and our own ability. He wants us to enjoy Him. Know that we are precious in His sight. You are His favorite child. He has got so much capacity. Everybody's His favorite. And then do life together with joy and peace and fun. If you are not enjoying your walk with God, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You're carrying a burden. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Often I told Sonic in the past, if we're not having fun, something's wrong. I'm carrying a burden again. Cast it off. Cast it off. Cast it off. That's what God wants for you and me. When we're in our own ability and we're carrying this heavy burden, it's frustrating. We become jealous of everybody else's blessings. We become angry. We feel burdened. This is no more. It's not, it's no, it's not, it's not fun anymore. Disconnected. God wants you to connect with the Father again. Amen. Never alone. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But this is the challenge. What's the difference between the older son and the, and the younger one, the prodigal? The prodigal, life hit him. 
And life humbled him. He came to a point of humility where he said, okay, I'm coming humbly to my God. You see, but religion, rules and regulations and standards that we put on other people, not ourselves, they make us proud. They make us arrogant and judgmental. And we become like the Pharisees. How can Jesus spend time with these horrible people? Does he have any idea what they did? You see, standards not for ourselves, but for others. And so the Father today is calling us, you and me, to come back to a place of intimacy with Him. Life happens in a place of connection with God. How do we get there? Humble yourself and admit it. Um, I'm disconnected. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You can find yourself in a place of disconnection. You can be, find yourself in a place, as a young man said, I'm dying. I'm dying. Or the old man, the older brother, I'm dying with my jealousy and my anger and my judgmentalness. And the burden that I'm carrying, I'm dying. But God is calling you and me to say, Father, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to be there. I don't want to lose my way. I'm coming back. I don't want to be burdened and be this angry, judgmental Christian. I want to have joy and peace and have a party. The kingdom of God is not eating nor drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. You see, we have a, every one of us, we've got a hole in our soul, and only God can fill it. Only God can fill it. And when He fills it, then we have the capacity to heal our relationships. And next week, I'm going to be speaking about how we can heal our relationships and connect to those around us. Some really profound things I want to share with you. Amen.